0: As I mentioned in the prayer, we're going to be in Proverbs again, and it's, it's a little difficult for you to follow along in your Bibles. If I, if I tell you to open up your Bible today to follow al- along, you can turn to Proverbs, but it's going to be another one of those sermons that's like, catch me if you can, because I'm jumping from one proverb to the next. I preached verse by verse through the first nine chapters because there's an, a, there's an appeal to the, to the believer for wisdom and appeal to wisdom from God to you and then once you get into chapter 10 you start to get we start to get in these proverbs that are like uh, wisdom nuggets or wisdom zingers right and so they go from one topic to the next topic and so we're to close this series we're spending 7 weeks clustering these proverbs into topics and then and then uh, so i can read several of them to you at the same time and so so last week we studied Uh, all of the Proverbs that had to do with our speech, what we say and what we listen to. And there's uh, like over 90 of those Proverbs. Well, today we're going to be talking about all of the the Proverbs that speak of humility and pride. And so that is probably like if you had to rate these categories, there's more about what we say and what we listen to than anything. But then that second place, that close second would be pride and humility. when, When we think about humility, you know, we've talked about this leading up to this point Proverbs. Humility, it's, it's, the, it's the basis uh, of the argument or, and the appeal to wisdom. You want to be wise? You want to you live with godly wisdom? Humility is how you obtain that. It's, it's fear of the Lord, humbling yourself before him. Proverbs 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so we talked about how The fear of the Lord, that's this desire that we have. Humbling yourself before him is this desire to be obedient to God. It's a desire to be teachable, to be changed by him. It's the desire to be measured by God. So that's what it means to live in the fear of the Lord. And it takes humility to get to that posture. And so when we live with this fear of the Lord posture... Right, we're, it, we're, it, it means I'm not going to look down on God and what he says and determine if he's good or bad. I'm not going to measure him. Living with the fear of the Lord, humbling yourself before him means I'm going to look up to God to determine what is right and what is wrong. I'm going to be measured by him. All right? this, is, this is how we receive this wisdom, lowering ourselves before God, living in the fear of the Lord. And so here's the here's the neat thing about that in Scripture. As we as believers humble ourselves before the Lord and live with the fear of the Lord in that sense, that is how he exalts us in his kingdom. That's how he lifts us up. Proverbs 22 verse 4 says it this way, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Like, do we, do we know, do we want to live with this, in this life with abundance in that sense? Well, the path to reward is by humbling yourself before the Lord. There's no other way. And so we often get this positively backwards. And when we think about living, living in abundance in life, we think of elevating ourselves. How, how, am, I, how am I going to elevate myself to this position of riches and honor and life and and I and I know I could I could harp on what they mean by riches there but I don't want to get sidetracked. We all know this isn't the prosperity gospel. But if I want to live in abundance as God desires me to live. It, it, when we think about this, we get this backwards. We we, we think about elevating ourselves. I'm going to I'm going to take that. I'm going to take life in abundance. And so we we look at we look at this pursuit of self-promotion that's how we get it backwards uh, look at me I want to live a life that says look at me be impressed by me do it like me want to be me and then right we, and that's how we we promote ourselves maybe online and things like that and then depending on how many likes or hearts we get it validates our uh, desire to want to elevate ourselves But that's not how it works in the kingdom of God reward in his kingdom is much different, it works different. Jesus put it this way. This is at Matthew 23, 12. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Let me read that again. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, whoever humbles himself will be exalted. I bet you, like if you if you take that verse of Jesus, if you pluck it out of its context, you put it on a sign, or you, you, you take it out into our culture. And, and don't even attach a Jesus name to it, and you just say that to our culture, that, that tastes good. We like that concept. If, if, if they didn't know Jesus said this, I think most people would like, like that concept. You know, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, whoever humbles himself will be exalted. I think we like that. It, it just it rolls off the tongue good, it sounds good, because none of us like to encounter an arrogant person. Like, that's, that's off-putting, Right? When we come into contact with someone we deem to be prideful, we just have this, like, instinctive built-in inclination to want to take them down a notch, don't we? Like, if someone's arrogant, oh, I just want to, want to take them down a notch. They, they sure are full of themselves, so I want to empty a little bit of it, <laughs> right? We have this built-in desire to want to push back against arrogance. I think the reason that we have that built-in desire is because that's a part of all of us that is like God. So all, all of mankind was made in the image of God. So there's going to be parts of everyone that is like God. Like we have a desire for justice and things like that. That's a part of us that is like God. We were created in his image. And so this is another one of those moments. Our inclination to push back against arrogance and pride and, 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 the, and you know, our inclination to be turned off by someone who is prideful. That's the part of every one of us that is like God. We're made in his image because he can't stand arrogance. He he automatically opposes those who are prideful. Listen to this proverb in Proverbs 16.5. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. That's a pretty motivating verse. God promises to punish those who are prideful. He actively opposes pride, and we're made in his image, and so there's a part of us that actively opposes pride when we come in contact with it, too. James and 1 Peter both mention uh, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Do you notice how he responds to people who are humble? Well, he shows grace to them. He opposes those who are proud. He gives grace to those who are humble. Well, you and I were born sinful. That's the part of us that is drastically different than God. We are stained with sin. We have a desire to sin, and we struggle with it all the time. And so if our pride isn't opposed, we can never change. That's that's why it's gracious that God pushes back against our pride, because he wants us to change. He wants us to be different. He doesn't want us to live in, in, in that mindset. I mean, you, you, know, you think about that, like, if your pride never got challenged, if it never got opposed by God, you would always think you're a little better than what you actually are. You'd always think that you're a little further along than what you actually are. It's it's his gracious opposition to our pride that takes us down a notch. It humbles us, and it's that humility that we need desperately in order to pursue his wisdom. And so if our pride wasn't opposed, we would be living life, Without self-awareness, right? All of us in here struggle with pride on some level, I guarantee you. You know, when I, I think, have you ever confronted someone about being prideful? I don't know that I've ever heard of anyone being confronted about their pride and it not be a shock to them. <laughs> like, hey, you're being prideful. What? How dare you? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, no, nobody receives that criticism and is like, Oh, yeah, I am. Thank you for pointing that out, right? It's always a shock to our system when we're told we're prideful. And so it's. But it's very gracious of God to, to confront our pride. And and it's very gracious when we confront pride in, in, in the lives of one another, too, as hard as it may be. We avoid that like the plague, though, don't we? We don't want to confront those who we deem to be prideful because uh, they're going to be like, how dare you, right? You're being prideful. Right? That's, that, that's a lot, what happens a lot of times. You tell someone they're being prideful, and their response is, they, no, you're prideful, right? Uh, I, you know what? I was confronted in my pride uh, uh, when I was in high school. I, I, was, I was a pretty cocky teenager. I'm not even going to try to defend myself in any way, shape, or form. I was a little punk, and uh, I'm still a punk in a lot of ways. Don't let me fool you. But I, uh, in my senior year, so this is so rewind back to 1998, My senior year of high school, our senior class had a will and testament that we could leave things to other classmates it was a way to honor them you know I mean it was in my class too like I don't I don't think I left you anything though but uh, you, you could leave like oh you know hey I, to, to my buddies I leave my, my car because we had so many good times in it you know it was a way to honor your friends or whatever well my group of friends left me something in the will of te- will and testament so that they, they, you submit all these things and they print them out and all the seniors got a book of the will and testament of the class of 98 and a big group of my friends said to Cody Parman we leave humility because he needs it more than we do. <laughs> I was like, what's humility? You know, they were right, and I was shocked. How dare they? They got me good. That was pretty good, and I needed it. I needed it, but you know, they were they were right. We, we need confronted in our pride, or we won't know it's there. It, it, it creates awareness uh, with the struggles that we have, because if we're all being really, really honest, aren't you biased towards yourself in any and every conflict you find yourself in? Like when you're in a a disagreement with someone, isn't your default mode, I'm right and they're wrong. This is why there's a disagreement, right? When, when, When you're in conflict with someone, isn't your default mode, I've been sinned against instead of I'm the one doing the sinning. And we do this all the time with God. You know, he he instructs us to live certain ways and has so much to say about morality in Scripture. Don't live this way. Do live that way. And then we start to look at at what he says not to do, and we think, well, I think I'm going to do that anyway. And, and, And then when we do those things, that's what we call sin. But when we do those things, what we're ultimately saying is I trust myself more than I trust God with this. I think I'm just biased towards myself. It's pride. So, again, if God doesn't confront us with our pride... We're never going to grow we're never going to change so so proverbs 28 verse 26 it says whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered you read so many of these proverbs about humility and pride you talk about being taken down a notch whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool like i don't know about you but i just watched 40 years of disney cartoons that told me to trust myself right? I just, I, I've been saturated my whole life, and believe in yourself, trust yourself. You, if you live with that attitude, nothing can go wrong. Every, everything's great, so so trust your heart, believe in your heart, and then you go into scripture, and you read just the opposite. No, don't trust yourself. No, your heart will deceive you. That's cute and everything with Disney, but no. Humility, that's what you need, is you need to humble yourself before the Lord. If, if you want to properly you know, if you want to properly uh, navigate through life, you need to humble yourself. If you want to honor God with your life, you need to humble yourself before Him. We need Him in order to honor Him. And so, if you start thinking you should trust yourself above all others, including God, that is the epitome of what it means to be prideful. So, in Proverbs 26, verse 12, he says this Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. If you're, it's it's deadly, right? Arrogance is is self deception. It's, it's self sabotage. It is, it's it's deadly. One one commentary I read this week it says, if you're cocky enough to think you're wise, you're a fool. <laughs> I really like the way he phrased it there. So the reason there's so little hope though for someone who thinks that they are the end all know all for everything is is they they have lost their ability to listen and so so when you think about uh growing in wisdom you have to have the ability to listen and so have you ever had this conversation with like the know-it-all this is how we identify a know-it-all they they can't hear anything they can't take criticism you can't tell them anything because they already know it all. It's exhausting when you get into a, a, a conversation with someone who feels as though they have the right opinion on everything all the time, uh, right, and you, and you can't tell them anything. Well, there's more hope for a fool than for that dude, and we don't want to be that dude. And so if we, if we truly want to pursue God's wisdom, Proverbs instructs us of two things that we need to do. We need to work on our ability to listen, and we need to work on our ability to be corrected. If we can listen and we can be corrected, we can grow in godly wisdom. That is the key to godly wisdom. Proverbs 12, 15 says the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a man listens to a wise man listens to advice. So part of pursuing godly wisdom in the book of Proverbs, it's never assuming that you have everything figured out. It's never assuming that, that you're this, we, we don't even allow ourselves to get in the frame of mind that we know everything. Proverbs says never, never get there. And it's not about never speaking, right? There's a time for speaking, and there's a, there's a time for listening. There's obviously a time for speaking. There's more Proverbs about the tongue than anything else, remember? There's a time for speaking, but there's also a time for listening. And someone who is wise has a good balance of listening and speaking, and that's what we're after. And that's a difficult balance to find, right? That's, that's a hard thing to develop balance with. But listening is worth it because for, for those who are in a pursuit of wisdom, listening is the power by which, the means by which they grow and change, right? We know we've not arrived. We know that there's this, this vast difference between us and God, and we've fallen woefully short of that. And he is infinitely wiser than we are, infinitely more right than we are. We have a long way to go, and we always know we have a long way to go. Therefore, we are always willing and ready to listen because we know there's so much growth to be done in our life. So we don't want to just run our mouths all the time and be know-it-alls. We want to listen. Proverbs 10, 18 says, The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin." So if you want to be wise, I think Proverbs teaches us this. Always be open to the possibility that you could be wrong about something. That's a hard thing to do. You know, listening is the power by which we change our minds. And some people just will never change their minds about anything. Isn't it true? And, we, and I talked to Proverbs that spoke to this, that you got people right now that are just so... Irrationally encamped in some way of thinking, and, and the, even the, possi- the, the possibility of being wrong is just so remote, it's just not even on the radar. And so, they've lost their ability to change their mind about anything. And so, we don't want to ever get into that position. We're always willing to examine because we could be wrong about something. I mean, it's not fun to be wrong, but I, and I, I think that's why a lot of people avoid the possibility, uh, considering the possibility that they could be wrong, because no one's like, oh, yay, I was wrong today, <laughs> right? Wrong, being wrong about something and having to change your mind, it feels like failure, but to the wise person in Proverbs, that's actually how we grow, right? Admitting you're wrong feels like you're regressing, but it's actually progress. So again, if you, if you can't change your mind about anything, your wisdom's all dried up, you're a fool. Ecclesiastes has a great verse. Now, this isn't in Proverbs, but Solomon did write it. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 13, Solomon says, better, better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. So a wise person understands I need to listen because I know I need Correction. And if I'm going to grow in wisdom for the remainder of my life, I always need to be able to listen. I always be, need to be able to receive advice. I always need to be willing to be corrected or I'm never going to grow. I'll stop growing. I'll, stop, I'll start moving in the wrong direction. And to a wise person in Proverbs, it's also how we receive honor. Do you want to be honored? Do you want to be considered as one who is honorable? Well, you have to be able to listen and you have to be able to be corrected because that's the only way you can be honorable in the world of God's people. Proverbs 15, 31 through 33 explains this. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. I love that last line, humility comes before honor. People that try to take honor without the humility component disgust us. They stink. People who try to just, I'm going to grab that honor because I think I deserve it. And they do it without humility, without taking the path of humility. That's not honorable. And when they try to take it anyway, they stink. I think that they are the equivalent to the middle school boy who tries to cover up his body odor with like Axe body spray, right? They just stink and they don't even know it. I, I was a youth pastor during the era of Axe body spray, and it scarred me in so many ways, but it was a genius ad campaign, I'll give them that. that. If you remember those commercials, you know, the kid would spray Axe body spray, and then the women would be like magnetized to him out of nowhere. It was a genius ad campaign, and they sold a ton of that stuff but the, how it backfired in our society is that we convinced all these middle school boys they don't, no longer had to shower. And so I, would ha- I can't tell you how many times I, ha- I would have a youth kid show up and they just reeked of body odor and then they just took a bath in Axe body spray. And so like you walk into the restroom after they're in there or something and your eyes start bleeding and you don't know why. It's because they just emptied a can of that stuff in there. It was awful, oh, it was just terrible. And so there are so many times... That I would have to sit down a middle school boy and be like, hey, I want to tell you something. It's not a secret. It's just that you don't know it. You smell awful. You need a shower and you need an antiperspirant. And then you need to take all that X-Body Spray and burn it in a barrel and never look at it again. That ad campaign is awesome, but it is a lie. This is, this is how we need confronted, though. Whenever we take, try to take honor. From a a different angle, that's not humility. It's gracious if someone sits us down and says, you stink. How dare you? What are you doing? This is awful. It doesn't smell good at all. Proverbs says it this way. This is chapter 30, verse 12. There are those who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. (laughs) They're clean in their own eyes, but they are filthy. Biblical wisdom is something that is achieved through forsaking sin and confessing sin. That's our path to honor. And so when we talk about the ability to change our mind, we're not just all willy-nilly changing our mind. We just want to flip-flop on issues or flip-flop on things and just change our mind whenever we, you know, so we can show everybody that we're, we're smart enough to change our mind. That's not what this is about. Changing your mind in the book of Proverbs is about changing your mind to agree with God. That's what biblical wisdom is. I'm going to stop thinking that I know more than him. I want to stop thinking that I have a better way than him. I am going to start agreeing with his definition of righteousness and holiness, which he defines uh, by who he is. And so I want to, to take his side. I'm tired of being filthy. I want to be clean. I want to be more like him who is perfectly clean. And so we do that, we change our minds on sin. I'm going to confess it, and I'm going to forsake it, and when we do that, we become honorable. I mean, those, those who walk around like, like they're not sinful, like the Bible has a lot to say about that person. I mean, you go to First John and things like that, like, uh, and he just harps on it. But like those who walk around and, 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 and think that they don't do any wrong, it's, we, we have a saying for that in our uh, English uh, language, right? Uh, they, they think their crap doesn't stink. That's the PG. I, I gotta be real, but like, keep it PG at the same time. But that's the saying we use, right, in our culture. Oh, they, I think they don't think, huh? Okay. Well, uh, is isn't it a relief though when someone's just real and they do admit they're wrong? Like, I, I don't know about you. Like, even somebody who has done a, a really, a really bad thing, when they can admit they were wrong, it's it's a relief. It's a relief. And so this, this is a way, I'm so sorry I didn't put my phone on vibrate today. It's Kelly. She's not able to be with us her. here today, so I'm going to throw that down there. Uh, it's a relief, though, when, when someone admits they, they did something wrong, like not turn their ringer off when they meant to. <laughs> And the reason it's a relief is because we know that we're not perfect, and when someone else is willing to admit that, we gain respect for them. Oh, okay, at least they're willing to admit it. They're walking in reality, and I can respect that. And we show them mercy. Proverbs 28, 13 says it this way. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes those transgressions, that person will obtain mercy. And so we... we we resist. We got this part of us that just resists admitting when we're wrong because it's humiliating. But that's the point. You notice the similarities between the, the words humiliation and humble. That's the point. You want to receive honor in the kingdom of God? It's a path of humility. It's confessing and forsaking sin, just admitting it. So. So we we are inspired and driven to live this way, not only by the Proverbs, but also through Christ, right? You hear a lot of theologians put it this way. It's cross before crown. The path to exaltation is through humiliation. That's the upside-down thinking of the kingdom of God. That's what's so backwards. That's why it's so hard to grasp. Because at first it's so different from the way the world thinks that we, we have to stop and consider it for a while. The path to exaltation is always through humiliation. It's humbling yourself. That's that's the worldview of a Christian believer. So Philippians 2 fleshes this out a lot. So Paul, when he's writing to the church in Philippi, they have an arrogance problem. They're being prideful. People in the community are noticing it. He's trying to minister to them like, hey, humble yourselves. Think of others as more significant than yourselves, right? Humble yourselves before the Lord and even before each other. Be humble people. Be known for being humble. And the way that he motivates them to be humble is by pointing them to Jesus. And he says, think about Jesus. How how are you going to call yourself a Christian and not be humble? You're you're a walking contradiction if you do that. Consider Jesus, he says, who did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Jesus could have played the God card whenever he wanted, but he never did. It's humble. It's humble. He made himself nothing, Paul says, even though we know he's everything. He he was in the form of a servant, Paul says, even though we know he's king. He was born in the likeness of men, even though he was above man. He was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, Paul points out. uh, An especially humiliating way to die. And because of that, therefore... And now I'll just quote him word for word. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so if any, it, it, for, for any people group, Like, exaltation through humiliation should make sense to us more than anybody else. Because we're Christians. That's how it works. If we want to be exalted, if we want to be honorable, we do this through a path of humiliation. Because Jesus, he laid claim to his crown through a path of humiliation on the cross. And his humiliation led to his exaltation. And so, when we look to God to be to be measured by him, it's, it's a humiliating thing because there's such a difference between who we are and who he is. But the way that we engage God in that fear of the Lord is that we confess and we forsake those differences between us and him. And as we do that, he shows us mercy. And mercy is Jesus, who is the wisdom of God. And there's freedom in that. Man, there's so much freedom in admitting you're not perfect but being made perfect in, in Christ to God. Like it, it frees me up to be self-aware about how filthy I am, right? It frees me up to, to admit that I, I don't always have it right. I don't always have all the answers. I don't always get it right. I don't always do it right, whatever it is. It, it, it's a it's a freeing thing to be able to, to admit that. But in Christ, I'm made perfect. All of my imperfections have been washed away. So before God, I am seen as perfectly holy because of Christ. There's freedom. I uh, There's relief. I can admit I'm wrong because I'm right in Christ. And so so when we get in those situations in which we're in sin and we just don't want to change our minds in sin, like, a lot of times we double down on it when we're told we're wrong. We dig our talons in even, in, even, in even deeper just to prove that we're right. We don't have to do that, though. We don't have to do that. We can just we can change our mind about sin, and we do that because of Jesus, because of His holiness, His righteousness, His glory, and so that belief empowers me to forsake sin because I know I'm guilty. And so in that wisdom, we have righteousness through Christ. And so here's the posture I think we live with when we consider all of these proverbs over pride and humility. We as believers, in a pursuit of God's wisdom, we don't have to live with this posture of I'm right and they're wrong, or I'm right and you're wrong. We come from a posture of humility through Christ. We come from a posture that says, Jesus is right and I'm wrong. And when you face the world and all the comp- complex issues and frustrations and, and divisiveness out there from a posture of, I know Jesus is right and I'm wrong, but I'm made right through Christ. When you come from that posture, you can take the, you, you you can combat things a little differently. You can combat things in a way that's not so frantic. Like, because that's what people look like when they're, when they're just harping and, and yelling and they, they just look frantic. They're not winning anybody to any side. We, but, but when someone approaches something from a heart of humility, when they're, when they're able to slow down and, and in peace engage the world, in joy and in love engage the world, with gentleness and faithfulness and kindness and all the fruit of the Spirit engage the world, people will be one. People, people will see a change of mind and a change of heart that's so different from, from what they're used to that I think God uses that to draw children into himself. And so let's live with that heart and that posture. Let's forsake the arrogance that we live in. Let's forsake the pride. Let's change our minds about what God says sin is and sin is not so that we can grow in wisdom. Let's pray. Lord, again, we thank you for your instruction and your correction in the book of Proverbs it's been such a joy to be able to sit and study uh, these sayings especially when it comes to pride and arrogance Lord all of us in here are dealing with a struggle with pride on some level and those of us who aren't struggling with it are just unaware we're not self-aware and so Lord I pray for conviction today I pray that, that, that reading Your truth and scripture, Lord, would change the way we think and would open our eyes and our ears to the sin that's in our life, and that we would be, Lord, empowered by you and compelled by you to forsake and confess that sin and change all to your glory. Lord, I I ask for conviction and repentance, uh, Lord, for all of us. It it tends to be the case, Lord, that the the further we go along in life, we, we think we have things figured out. And this world has a way of humbling us in many ways, though, Lord. But, Lord, we just want to be those who listen to you and those who are changed by you. We want to be corrected by you. But, Lord, we also want to be a body of believers who are willing to listen to one another and to be corrected by one another. Uh, Lord, we need that accountability in our life in order to see change and progress and growth in our walk with you. So, Lord, bless us as a church family as we do that especially during a, what may be another frustrating season of ministry here, Lord. But we, we can walk through it with peace and joy because of you. And it's in your name, Jesus.